God has designed the Feast of Tabernacles, the eight-day eight day boot camp for Galatians 5.22. Now, you're getting some handouts there, and I don't have Galatians 5.22 in the handouts, but most of you have got Galatians 5.22 memorized, and if you don't, if you would turn to it in your Bible and just take a quick look at it there, because essentially it talks about the fruit of the Spirit is love. We've already heard somewhat of, about love, right? You understand love. You've heard a lot of love sermons. Um, and then joy. Oh, now joy is pretty close to rejoicing, isn't it? Don't those go pretty well together? And then peace. How many expect to have some peace while you're here at the feast? This will be a good day. This will be a live sermon from now on. Um, back at home, we just got a new toy with our television set, and uh, I can record a one-hour TV show and then <laughs> come back an hour later and watch it and fast-forward through all the commercials. <laughs> I love that. Maybe, you can, maybe we'll work out how you can do that. But back to Galatians 5.22, love, joy, peace. How many expect to have some peace while you're here at the feast? Yeah, that one's kind of iffy, isn't it? Okay. So the love, joy, peace is kind of up to you folks. You need to take care of that. Then comes the fourth one, which is long-suffering. Guess what? I'm going to provide the long-suffering. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So <clears throat> let me see a show of hands of those who you have heard a Gerald Waterhouse sermon. Okay. That's interesting. Very interesting. All right. Hands down. Now, how many of you have heard a Gerald, three-hour Gerald Waterhouse Okay, yeah. All right, now some of you didn't put your hands up. Gerald Waterhouse became famous back in the worldwide Church of God days for three-hour sermons. Now, you know, maybe they were two and three-quarters, but we'll just say three hours for the sake of it, you know. And um, what I thought I'd do today was a three-hour sermon. Ah, wait, wait, don't panic, please. Ushers, hold the doors. All right, what I've done is I've devised a way to shorten a three-hour sermon down to about 50 minutes, right? And everybody starts their top stopwatch, right? <coughs> and um, so you've got two handouts. There's actually three handouts, but I'm not giving you the third handout, mainly because we didn't print enough. But <coughs> I'm going to high speed through the first of the three handouts, which you don't have. I'm just going to hit the highlights. This is God's tabernacle's expectations. Now, each one of you came here with certain expectations in your brain. You said, boy, I hope this is good. I hope it doesn't rain every day. I hope, hope, I hope, hope this and this and this, right? Okay, well, God has expectations too. He's a person. He and the Father and the Son are up there looking down, and they have expectations for each and every one of us down here. So here's some of the expectations to have lived in temporary accommodations. How many are planning to do that? Good, good crowd, okay. That's Leviticus 23, 42, and 43. He expects that we will eat before the Lord. Now, how many expect to eat? Yeah, right. Okay, how many expect to eat before the Lord? Anybody explain to me how you eat before the Lord? It's interesting, isn't it? Think about it. Normally, I, you know, I had something to eat this morning, and uh, <laughs> it was kind of high-speed eating. And, uh, you know, so I've, I've got to mentally position myself a little better than I did this morning to eat before the Lord. And you could say, well, you came to the feast site, so in general, you're before the Lord, therefore eat all you want anytime you want, you know. But, but he wants you to eat before him. This is a to-the-Lord festival, okay? He wants you to have learned to fear the Lord, that is highly respect the Lord, not be quivering and quaky and all that sort of thing. And let me say that if anybody, I know some of you are hurting in the audience, please take care of what you need the most. If you need to go outside and rest or lie down or whatever you need to do, take care of you and do not worry about what anybody else is going to think about you. That's their problem. That's not your problem. You need to take care of you, all right? Um, so to have learned to fear the Lord, to have great respect for the Lord, Deuteronomy 14, 22, and 23. He expects that we live richly and eat before the Lord. How many of you feel like you have the opportunity to live richly while you're here for eight days com compared to how you do at home? Yeah. Um, Deuteronomy 14, 26. He expects that we remember statute keeping and our history. Okay, I'll read that one. Deuteronomy 16, 12 
says you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and you shall be careful to observe these statutes. How many of you feel like you were a slave in Egypt? Got to think that one through a little, don't you? Yeah, spiritually. How many of you think that you were a slave in Egypt before you came to a knowledge of God's truth? And he's called you out of bondage. And, and a lot of those folks at home working today on a Thursday, a lot of those folks are in bondage. They, they just make the best of what they got, but they're in bondage. And, and you know, we get the, op the opportunity of enjoying a thousand years of God's rule on earth with only one church. Across the street, there's a church over here. We're having church, right? Can you imagine a world for a thousand years where there will only be one church? Jesus, the true Jesus, the true worship of Jesus church. Okay, he expects that we rejoice. Okay, enough said on that one. I expect you'll take care of the love, joy, and peace, and the rejoicing all by yourself. Um, he expects us to have honored God for seven days. And when you eat before the Lord, when you come before the Lord, and when you're here at the feast, you, you could just say, yeah, an eight-day vacation, whoopee, right? Or you could be thinking a little deeper and go, you know, God has honored me for 365 days or a little less, and I'm here honoring him. And I, I feel like we did that last night as we were singing praise to God. We've done that here this morning in a beautiful, beautiful setup here of uh, having beautiful music and beautiful singers and, and beautiful words up on the screen. I expect us to have given value to God's worship system. You know, God, God, you know, much as we hate taking up money, God expects you to give value to his system and not only money. You know, he expects you to give to what he's doing. And this is right now what he's doing. The Father and the Son are looking down from heaven above and they, they pinpoint on their radar, is that me, on their radar, they are seeing individuals. They're not seeing masses. They're seeing individuals. They're seeing people. They're seeing you by name, me by name. Okay, they expect us to have worshipped King Jesus, Zechariah 14, 16. Now, I, I believe Jesus is working on his inaugural message right now. I don't think it's many, very, very many years away. I think this thing is going to tumble like a bunch of dominoes and go quickly. And, you, and we will have our breath taken away um, at how quickly it can go. Because back in World War I, rifles and trenches. You know how long it takes to dig a trench? It takes a long time. Okay, but that's how they did warfare back then. Killed 10 million people. In World War II, they had barely got airplanes to fly. And they were still dropping bombs by hand. Over it goes, right? Now they got better at through World War II. They got better at killing people and built, dropping more bombs and so on and they killed 50 million people. Well, now we got the press the button, pew, and when that puppy goes off, there are going to be a lot of dead people, a lot of hurting people. So it's a different world. It can go very fast. So to have worshipped King Jesus, and I just can't wait because when I get there, I don't plan to be sitting on a chair. I plan to be hovering. You know, you've heard about hovering mothers or helicopter mothers. I plan to be hovering. Right? Let the humans sit on the chairs. I'm going to be hovering like with the angels up above, you know, shining, making the sky bright. And Jesus is going to come out and he's going to tell us about what a terrible tragedy it was that humans wouldn't listen to him for 6,000 years. And it came to what it came to. A lot of dead people. Right? Trumpets 1 through 7. Okay, then he's going to say, all right, we're expecting this many billion people to be resurrected at the, uh, the second resurrection and we need to be busy for a thousand years creating a dream world for them to come alive into because a lot of them are hard-headed people. A lot of them are going to be Muslims. It tells you right there in Zechariah 14. It says if some of the Egyptian people, what, re what religion do they have? Muslims, right? If they don't want to come and worship the Jewish king in the Jewish capital Jerusalem on a Jewish holy day, Right? If they don't want to come, we have ways of working with them. Right? No rain. No rain for a year. Now, you know, you've got to be a pretty thick-headed kind of a person to go a whole year, get no rain, you know, be really hungry, and have emissaries come next year and say, hey, if you come to the Feast of Tabernacles, you can have rain next year. What do you think? 
Well, I'm going to go, but I ain't going to like it. I'm going to be sitting there with a smile on my face, but on the inside I'm going to be frowning, you know, because this is a Jewish king and a Jewish holiday, and that's Jewish. You've ever heard that? Anybody ever said that's Jewish? Okay, so God's example in the Bible of a successful Feast of Tabernacles is in Nehemiah 8 and uh, verse 18. I'm going to read first. Also, day by day, from the first day until the last day, he read, Ezra, read from the book of the law. And they kept the feast seven days. And then they went on to keep the eighth day. But the verse before that, verse 17, says, And there was very great gladness. Very great gladness. How many of you think we can finish this Feast of Tabernacles with very great gladness as we pack our cars and head home? couple of you. Okay. We're going to have to work on some of these people here, folks. Uh, they are just, they're just not picking up on this. All right. So um, that was the first hour. All right. So how are we doing? We're doing okay, right? All right. So, so now I've just got two hours to go. And, uh, and like I say, I've got ways. Now you've got two sets of hands out in front of you. And when we're done at the end of the, of the second handout, we're done. You know, we're off to eat lunch and do the things we want to do. So let me see your hands if you truly expect to rejoice a lot in the next eight days. Okay. All right. See, you, you're there. Like I say, this, this uh, love, joy, peace is, is going to be pretty much in your hands, and I expect that most of you have already understood and practiced year by year by year. I know the faces I saw here last year, they really got down. They got down on this re rejoicing thing. Okay, in Deuteronomy, we're commanded to rejoice. Now, you know, it almost seems like an oxymoron or something. It's like, why would you command people to have fun? <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, what, what's going on here? Well, because a lot of churches have fear. A lot of churches have fear built into their system. And, and here God is saying, look, I'm going to command you to go and rejoice so that none of you can have in the back of your mind, oh, I'm just afraid that God, God might not want me to have fun at the feast. So he commanded it, right? So it's, it's, you know, it's plain and simple as taken care of. So um, how many of you feel blessed to live in the United States of America? I thought I'd, I thought I'd get a lot of hands on that one. All right. He says, seven days you shall keep a sacred feast to the Lord your God, Deuteronomy 16, 15, um, in the place that God chooses, because your Lord your God will bless you. And every day, almost every day that I watch news and I see how people are living in other countries around the world, I just, I just want to fall down and kiss the ground and thank God that I get to live in the United States of America, the f most fantastic, even though we've gone downhill, even though things are looking bad for the days ahead, it's still the most fantastic country on the face of the planet. He says, in all the work that your hands, and so you shall rejoice. So, okay, no question about it. God is happy if you rejoice, right? And we rejoice before the Lord. Deuteronomy 12, 18, you must, but you must eat them. You must eat them before the Lord. So all this good stuff that you're going to eat, you must eat it before the Lord. I'm going to leave it to you to figure out, you know, in eight days, have I, when I ate, did I eat before the Lord? Now some of you might sneak into a closet and take some extra chocolate or something that you probably shouldn't do and you don't want your loved ones to know about, right? But you're still eating before the Lord because you can see through the top of your closet, right? In the place which you shall choose and you shall surely rejoice before the Lord. Deuteronomy 14:26, and you shall spend that money for whatever your heart desires, oxen, sheep, wine, so on. Um, and, and notice in that verse there, verse 26, he repeats the same words twice within about 10 words. It's like he's, you know, anybody not catching the picture here? You know, whatever your heart desires, and then a little further down, whatever your heart desires. He's trying to really get it across. It's okay to rejoice. Now, a lot of you, you got that? Okay. Because I'm going to go to the other side of the coin in a little bit, and I just, I just want you to make sure that that bar humbug Ian Huffton guy didn't just get up there and say, he doesn't want us to rejoice. He wants, he wants us all to be miserable, right? So we're going to eat before the Lord. We're going to rejoice before the Lord. We're going to rejoice in the Lord and what the Lord is doing. 
And, and the picture of the Feast of Tabernacles of a thousand years of peace, the kingdom on earth, people have looked forward to this for thousands and thousands of years, the coming of the king, the, the landing in Jerusalem, the splitting of the Mount of Olives, uh, God setting up a wondrous world where nobody's going to be allowed to pollute. And that, that's, worth, that's worth rejoicing over all by itself, right? Nobody's going to be allowed to practice war. Right? Nobody's going to say, let's, uh, let's train some young men to kill other young men. Right? No, sorry, can't do. No, can't do. Well, let's start our own church. No, sorry, can't. No, no can do. And it's, and it's folks like you <laughs> that are going to be sort of um, suddenly appearing invisible police person. When they, when they go, you know, what we can do is, uh, why don't we get over here and get a couple of us here and just shh, don't tell anybody because they might be listening, you know. And then a couple of us show up, you know, become visible and say, that's not the way. That's not the way to walk. walk. This is the way you walk in it. You quit doing that. Uh, what are you going to do if, if, you know, if we don't quit? Well, have you had diarrhea lately? You know, uh, we have ways of getting you sitting down and listening. You know, so it can be done. Okay, Deuteronomy 14:26. You'll spend the money like we did that one, all right? And the festival. Okay, my my point is, when I thought about giving this message, what what is God's purpose for having us rejoice? I mean, okay, most people go home at the end of the day and they turn on the TV and they watch a funny show or they watch they watch something light. They like to laugh, right? So so if you can do that every day, what's God's purpose in saying, you know? Gather up your goodies, save your second tithe, make the travel, drive all those hours to get to the feast side, whatever, and, and then be with your brethren and then rejoice. What's his, what's his purpose? And uh, I wanted to think on that and I wanted to, to focus our minds on that. And essentially, they want to rejoice over us. I, I don't know if you've thought much about that, Right, because they keep telling us you're commanded to rejoice. You'll go and rejoice. You'll do that, will you? Okay, but but they want to rejoice over us. But it's a two-sided coin. It's it's not as simple as a lot of people make it sound. Deuteronomy 30 verse 8, and you will again obey the voice of the Lord. No, no, here we go. The obedience thing, but but you obeyed God in getting here. Did that hurt? You know, hopefully that didn't hurt too much. Right? And being here, and those of you who were here last year, I could, he I could hear the humming and the singing for weeks later. I could see the faces in my mind's eye, and I could hear the joy. I could see certain faces that just, every time I thought of the face, month after month after the feast was over, yeah, uh, you know, I went, ah, oh, that was a great feast. Oh, I, I want to have another one of those, you know. So, again, a voice, obey the voice of the Lord, and that's what he's looking for, and this is what's going to make him rejoice and do all his commandments which I command you today. Verse 9, the Lord your God will make you abound in all the work of your hand. How, ma how many are bound in your work? How many of the fruit of your body? Well, some of us, some of us older people can hold off on the fruit of the body, but the, you younger people, you'd like the fruit of your body to work out real good. And the increase of your livestock, some of you probably got goats, right? And in the produce of your land for good. So he, God wants to rejoice over us for good, and the Lord will again rejoice over you for good. Alright? Now, the whole story of the Old Testament in Israel was, they said, oh, this is terrible, get us out of Egypt. So he did. And, and then he said, will you obey me? I said, yeah, yeah, anything, sure, whatever you want us to do, we'll obey, we'll do it. Alright, my thing here's broken loose. And maybe my ear is not the right shape. Oh, now I can't see my notes. Okay. Technology isn't technology wonderful? Don't you don't you love it when you accidentally press the wrong button on a remote and you can't figure out for the life of you how to get back to where you were, and you you have finally have to call the company. You know, you say, I am sorry to bother you, but I, my remote won't do what I want it to do. All right, enough of that. Okay, so um, God wants to rejoice over us. He wants to bless us. For the Lord again will rejoice over you for good, as He rejoiced over your fathers. But they went flip flop, flip flop back throughout history, and they would do what while, and then they would turn away. Well, anybody seen any church members do what God wanted them to do, and then later turn away? Anybody seen that? Okay, I see hands in the air. 
So you know what I'm talking about. Deuteronomy 30, verse 10. If you obey the voice of your Lord, the Lord and you keep his commandments. Now, you know, if we said this... Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Hello. I love backup mics. Okay. I don't know what I did. I don't know whether the, I still have a green light down here. So anyhow, maybe a truck driver went by and stole all the sound. Whatever. Okay. So in Deuteronomy 30.10, he says, If you obey the voice of the Lord and keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law, and if you turn, if you turn, whoa, you can hear me breathing. I guess, I, I guess it's good. I guess it's good that I'm breathing, because if I was up here and I wouldn't be breathing, it'd be embarrassing. We'd have, to, we'd have to do other things. All right, if you turn to the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul, where have we heard that before? That's in the New Testament, right? So how do you turn, how do you turn to God? You do what he says, right? And, uh, okay, now the opposite side of this is back two chapters in Deuteronomy 28 and 58, where... Uh, this, this gets kind of gravelly here. This is the flip side of the coin. This ain't so much fun. There's not a lot of rejoicing in this. But if you do not carefully observe all the words of this law, that you hear, I love these words. This is Deuteronomy 28:58, That you may hear this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God. When you eat before the Lord, when you think, why am I at the Feast of Tabernacles? When you look around you and see your brethren, each one of us, New Covenant people, we're in the system where there is no one between us and Jesus. And there's no one between us and the Father. And we can go boldly before the throne of grace as if, you know, we actually were there. Now, you know, if we could see it, it would blind our eyes, so we have to do it mentally. But, but we can go in prayer in less than a second. We're all impressed with how fast computers can work and stuff. But in less than a second, if you so desire, you can be in front of the face of the Father and Jesus. And, you, and they look at you and they love you. They, they oh, look who's here. This is exciting. I get a card or a letter from my children, and they sign it, you know, um, or they, Dear Dad. You know, only three people on the planet, planet call me Dear Dad. And, and I just get so excited. Wow, one of my children. Well, God is that way about you, and he wants to rejoice over us. But, you know, he's had a lot of experience with people who say on the one hand, Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I, Lord, whatever you say, I'm going to do. And then tomorrow you go out and beat on somebody. And, and God, in simple terms, God just wants you to play nice, right? He wants, you know, every day of the rest of your life, he wants you to play nice with people. Even if they're ugly to you, play nice with people. You know, and then he wants you to be teachers for people for a thousand years to teach other people how to play nice. And then comes the double whammy. He's going to resurrect Hitler and people like that. And you might get Hitler. How do you know you won't get Hitler or Attila the Hun or some other uh, Jeffrey Dahmer or somebody? How do you know you won't get them? Jesus just might say to you at Second Resurrection Day, oh, um, Ken, I, over here we've got Jeffrey Dahmer. Would you mind taking care of Jeffrey? You know? Um, never mind. If you don't know who Jeffrey Dahmer is, you don't need to know. But he was nasty. <laughs> he was nasty dude. Okay. So... Um, then the Lord will bring upon you, this is uh, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 28 and 59, then the Lord will bring upon you and your descendants extraordinary plagues, great and prolonged plagues, serious and prolonged sicknesses. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Uh, verse 60, moreover, he will bring back on you the diseases of Egypt on which you, of which you were afraid, and they will cling to you. Well, Look out across America, folks, which is Israel, predominantly Israel. Look out across America. How are we doing disease-wise? We're not doing so good, are we? The, the nation is, I can't believe it. I can't, 
you know, I lived back in Australia for a long time, just a little pup, and, and I, every now and then they'd say, they had a blizzard and 25 people died. And I said, a weather-related activity and people die? <gasps> you know, six people died with lightning strikes on the golf course. I thought, why would people go on, a on golf courses, you know? <laughs> we, we didn't have people dying by weather. We just had nice, friendly weather. And I thought, boy, I'm not sure I ever want to go to America. And then guess where God ended me up? America. Right? And I'm so glad. I am so glad. Best country. Right? Uh, if, you, if you want my advice, stay in America. Don't go to live in Australia. But you know, don't tell the Australian people I've come get me. Right. So, verse 63. And it shall be that just as the Lord rejoiced over you to do you good and multiply you, so the Lord will, and this is kind of strange language, Rejoice over you to destroy you. That's strange. You, you wonder sometimes how the translators actually chose the words. I mean, that just don't fit at all. How, how could God rejoice over us to destroy us? I mean, you know, something's missing there. That needs a little polish there in the translation. But, but the bottom line is God, God wants to rejoice over us for good. That's what he wants. Jesus says, come unto me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and so on. So, and then the finish on that verse, it says, and bring you to nothing, and you shall be plucked from off the land which you go to possess. Well, that was the land of Israel. And, and we've come here, and we've possessed this land of Israel. We just didn't call it that, right? But, but that's going to happen soon. Soon, as he told us in Luke 21, 20, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then, then know that the desolation is near. The desolation of Jerusalem will be near when it's surrounded by armies. Well, the, the nation of Israel is surrounded by armies. But the city of Jerusalem is not surrounded by armies. And, and then if you read the text, it says, when you see it surrounded by armies, leave the city. Well, you can't leave the city if it's surrounded by, we want to kill you, armies. You can only leave the city if it's United Nations peacekeeping armies. Because they could care less. They're not there to kill you. They're there to keep everybody from killing everybody else. Everybody settle down and we're going to have peace. And we invented the peacekeeping armies of the United Nations, what, 20, 30 years ago, right? Not a lot of success, but, you know, they have them. And, and so he says, um, when you see this kind of stuff, then Israel is going into captivity. Verse 21 of Luke 21. Then let those, those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, for these are the days of vengeance. Vengeance. Who's vengeance on who? Well, Jesus comes as the Lamb of God, bringing the wrath of God. Oh, no. Not my Jesus. You got, I don't know what Jesus you're worshiping, but that ain't my Jesus. Uh, read the book. Lamb of God, Jesus, comes with the wrath of God. And, and he really doesn't have to do much. All he has to do is put his feet on the Mount of Olives and split it. And then the nations of the beast power go, whatever that was coming in from outer space, invading our planet Earth, when we just got this nice 1,000 years worth of peace set up under, not Hitler this time, but under the beast, right? A false Christ, a fake Jesus Christ sitting in the temple of God showing himself that he is God, right? So, so hey, don't be invading us from outer space. You quit that. And we'll just come down there with our weaponry and we'll just destroy you. And if we need to, we'll use our laptop and we'll put a virus in your system and we'll destroy you that way. Whatever it takes, we're coming down to get you. So God says, yeah, come on down. Come on down, you know, because in Zechariah it says, um, you know, their eyes will dissolve in their sockets. Well, you know, that's happened before. That happened in Hiroshima and Nagasaki when we detonated atomic bombs over the city and the people were vaporized. So God can do that again and, and that's part of the plan, but then he has this old, old routine trick where, where he, he turns this soldier against his buddy next to him. You know, it's like, panic, 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 quick, kill somebody, kill somebody, hey, there you are, kill you. And it's, it's like, the army that came to kill Jesus is now busily destroying itself, killing each other. And you end up, you know, with a bunch of bones, and it would take seven months to clean up all the bones after the battle is over. And then Jesus sets up, 
is, uh, is, is peaceful reign where there'll never be any more war. And I used to think, ah, hold on a minute, there'll be one more war right at the end of the hundred year period, there'll be one more war. Yeah. You know, if a bunch of people coming towards Jerusalem to kill those nice Jerusalem people and God just sends fire down from heaven, was that a war? Is that fair to call that a war? That is not a war. That's not even a police action. That is just like, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah. It wasn't a war, right? So there'll be no more war. Jesus says, no more war, no more war. And what a joy that's going to be. Okay, days of vengeance, verse 23 of Luke 21. And woe unto those who are pregnant. It's not going to be a good time. For there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people, the people of Jerusalem, Israel. Now, up until now, Israel has fought and won all its battles. Now, the last, the last one when they're shooting missiles over, it wasn't, it wasn't a terrific victory. They were, they were struggling to, because, because if somebody runs into your backyard in Lebanon and fires a rocket over into Israel and then runs out of your backyard, it's tough on Israel to go, we know whose backyard it was, but we don't know that the guy who lives in that backyard was the guy who fired the missile. So, so they were struggling. And, and uh, you know, how many of you think Israel's going to be attacked in the next couple of years? You do. Good for you. Okay, yeah. I mean, they keep telling us, we're going to attack Israel. We're going to attack Israel. We're building our weapons. We're going to attack Israel. Oh, surely you wouldn't do that, you know. They're going to do it. It's going to happen. And the book says it's going to happen, Daniel 11. Okay, so, and they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive. Israeli people are going to be led away captive in all around the world into all nations and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles till the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Three and a half years of Jeris Jerusalem is no longer guided and governed by the Israeli people. I mean, when you see that in your headlines, <gasps> you know, the time has come. Luke 21, 27. And they will see the Son of Man coming in the cloud with power and glory. Now, <clears throat> we get to decide, we get to determine if God rejoices over us or not. One person at a time. Each one of us, by how we live our lives, is how God treats us. Now, we could all say, well, I'm in the church of God. So it's all taken care of. I got baptized. I keep the Sabbath. I keep the holidays. I tithe. I don't eat pork. What else is there? Anyhow, that's, that's a pretty good start. So, you know, I'm in good shape. But see, in the Bible it says, you know, you who practice lawlessness, I don't even know you. And then over in Galatians, Paul says, you Galatian church members are not even going into the kingdom of God. Wait a minute. You can't say that to church people. That's not in the, that's not in the bylaws. You can't, you can't do that, Paul. No, but he did, didn't he? And he said, if you practice the sins of the world, if you practice your selfishness, then, you know, it's, it's going to be no kingdom for you. And that's going to be an ugly surprise. Now, how, okay, this is a good test. How many of you think that the worldwide Church of God people who stopped keeping Sabbath and now keep Sunday, who stopped keeping festival and now keep Christmas, if they don't change and repent before Christ comes, how many of you think they'll be in the first resurrection? Anybody think that? Okay. Yeah. So, just like it said in Galatians, you're not going into the kingdom if you practice lawlessness. Well, what is, what's simple lawlessness? Well, not keeping Sabbath. Simple lawlessness is not keeping festival. Right? But then it gets deeper because you're supposed to love God with all your heart and soul and mind and being. So as we, as we approach these days, we have to determine the outcome. When we pack up the car eight days, a little less than eight days from now, and we start heading down the road, God, the Father, and the Son are going to be looking down inside the top of our brains. And they're going to be saying, how well did Ian do? How well did you do? You know, were you kind to people or did you, were you just a curmudgeon? How many of you know what curmudgeon means? Okay, see, some of you do, that's good. Right, and so <clears throat> it's like, did they practice this love, joy, peace, long suffering, right? <clears throat> or did they just go for a vacation so they could play golf every day 
Bread? Not every day, right? Okay. And uh, it's up to us to decide how we're going to do. So God wants us to rejoice. He wants us to learn. And he wants us to remember, right? Uh, Peter, I love Peter. Peter in 2 Peter 1.10, he says, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. Which, you know, in modern Christian language, he can't say that either. That's not in the bylaws either, right? Be because nothing you can do is the way it's taught can get you not into God's good graces. Once you gave your heart to Jesus, it's done. You, no matter how hard you try, you can't get out of it, is the way they tell it. Only that doesn't jive with the book, right? And so here Peter says, um, make this effort, and that's what I'm kind of saying here today, is, is make the effort to love, joy, peace, other people, the other fruits, to, to show God, to come before God and say, you know, you've given me this beautiful setting, this comfortable setting, this rejoicing setting, these nice people. How many of you think there's a bunch of nice people here in this room? Right? There's a lot of nice people here in this room. So he's given us an idyllic situation to practice. He hasn't, he hasn't said, all right, all of you live in a tent and I'm going to have rain for eight days because I really want to test your metal, right? He doesn't do that. He gives you an idyllic situation. Verse 12, for this reason, Peter writes, I will not neglect, not be negligent to remind you always, which he did for the last 2,000 years. Peter is still reminding us today of what he wrote 2,000 years ago. Of these things, though you know them, you already know this, and you are established in the present truth, but humans forget. People, you know, turn their minds to other things. And most of you can remember that people who sat next to you in Feast of Tabernacles in years past aren't doing it, aren't doing the Feast of Tabernacles this year. So why was it them and not you? Well, because you remembered to keep the law, to follow the statutes, to keep the commandments, you know, the, the, you must do this as well as you must rejoice, but, but to keep the commandments of God. For this reason, I won't, you know, verse uh, 13. Yes, I think it right, and Ian thinks this is right too. I, I'm agreeing with Peter is what's going on here. I think it right that as long as I'm in this tent, tabernacle, temporary dwelling, all of you are living in tw temporary dwellings. If anybody here thinks you're going to live, you know, for another hundred years, <laughs> ain't going to happen. Even the young kids, you know, when you're young, you think you're invincible. You can jump off roofs and nothing's going to happen to you. But eventually you learn this is a temporary tabernacle you're living in. So he says to stir you up by reminding you. So reminder, reminder, reminder is what it's about. Verse 15, More, moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder. So he's saying reminder, reminder, reminder. He's, he's belaboring this point to make sure he has a reminder. Okay, how many of you know what this is? This is a seatbelt. All right. What's another name for seatbelt? Safety belt. All right. Now, when you get on an airplane, how many of you got on an airplane in the last two years? Anybody got on an airplane? Yeah, a bunch of you fly. Yeah. Okay. The the little lady or the little guy up the front, they go, um, you know. All right. They go. Now this is how it's done, right? And should the plane get into dire straits? and plummet a thousand feet or so and you need oxygen, the little oxygen mass will drop and please see you, most of you got it. And, and you know, the last time I was on plane it was glorious because there was an older stewardess and she had little phrases like, now should the plane land in water, just think of it as becoming a giant jet ski. <laughs> and, and, but, but she's going along doo -doo 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 -doo, and throwing in one of those doo -doo 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 -doo. Yeah, and most people are going to, I'm reading my magazine, don't bother me and you know, and it's like, hey, she's got a good routine. Pretty soon everybody's laying down whatever was keeping them busy and they just enjoyed her safety meeting, right? Including the buckle thing here, right? Now, <clears throat> what if you were on a plane from Houston to Miami and you're halfway across the Gulf of Mexico and the pilot comes on and he says, uh, something strange is happening. Our engines are consuming fuel at twice the normal rate. We can't understand why this is, 
but we are guaranteed to have to ditch into water. How many of you would like to have the rehearsal safety meeting one more time so you can remember how things were, right? Oh, yes, please, please. Let us see, the flotation devices are under the seat, right? You pull them out and you put them on this way and you put them on that way and you pull the button, you blow the whistle, whatever. Yes, show me, show me, show me, because I wasn't paying all that much attention last time. Please, please do it again, right? Because you know you're going to need that stuff. Well, you know, God is giving us safety meetings, rehearsal safety meetings here at the feast because he knows we're going to need this stuff. We are going to need our safety precautions into the days ahead because it, it isn't going to last for like 50 years. This is not going to be a 50 years beast power and then Jesus comes. This is a short, it happens boom, 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 boom. I know three and a half years sounds like a long time, but you know it's not going to be all that long because a lot of things will be happening, and your two favorite people will be on your TV, the two witnesses, you know, calling down plagues. Oh, that's going to be fun, you know. Maybe they'll call down fire from heaven. Woo, yeah, you know. But nonetheless, they'll be preaching this gospel into the world, all the world, and and it's the same message that you're hearing here. It's the same message you can find in your Bibles and read and study. And sadly, most of the people for the life of them cannot read black and white in their Bible and go, oh, look at that, thief on the cross. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody goes straight to heaven when they die. Well, hold on, that's just one scripture. Let's go over here, look here. It says, Jesus said, I'll be, you know, dead three days and three nights. So put the two scriptures together. Now what do you got? Well, all right, something doesn't add up here. That's right. You have to let your mind add up scripture with God's help to see it the right way. Okay. Very briefly here, we're going to get rid of another hour. Um, that, that handout that says God's Purpose People's Meeting, if you study it for a while, take it home and study it, you'll see why I said Purpose People. Okay, Luke, in Leviticus 23, 2, your, your English translator didn't help you a great deal and, and didn't translate as best he could. What he did was where it says feasts there, 4150, it's the word for appointments. So. It reads, this is verse 2 of Leviticus 23. He says, Speak unto the children of Israel, say unto them concerning the feast, i.e. appointments of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations. So we're going to look at the words appointments and convocations, right? And I'm giving the definitions there on page 1. These are my feasts, it says, but it means appointments. Okay, on the back side of that handout are the 223 places in the Old Testament that God is saying the Hebrew word for appointments, i.e. meetings. Now, if you were, you were uh, violated the law somehow and the judge said, said, show up in my courtroom on such and such a date at such and such a time, would you show up? Or would you just go, he's just the judge, right? Well, those of you who've already had a little experience with that, you do not want to cross the judge. Because even though he's a human or she's a human, you know, they have power to put you in the slammer, right? And you are not going to be happy in the slammer. So, so they say, here's your appointment. Well, how much greater than a judge is God? And he says, here's your appointment. Well, we're here at God's appointment, but he wants to have the appointment for the purpose of rehearsals. If you look at the meaning there, halfway down page one, it says the, trans, the, the meanings for that word are an appointment, a fixed time or season, a festival, an assembly convened for definite purpose. So, so this is not just a good vacation for eight days. This is a purpose to learn safety practices. And the safest you're ever going to be is abound in love and joy and peace and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The more you do that to other people, remember God said, love me with all your heart and soul and mind and being and your neighbor is yourself. Play nice is what he's saying, but most people go, well, I'm going to play nice my way. <laughs> you know, no, 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 not that kind of nice. Nice according to the way God has in mind. Okay, the meaning in the bottom of the page there for convocations is very interesting. It's very similar to ecclesia in the New Testament, the name of the church. Church is ecclesia in the Greek. And it says something called out, that is a public meeting. Ta-da! 
here we are in a public meeting on a high holy day, on a Thursday. Are you people nuts? What are you doing going to church and carrying Bibles on a Thursday? You know, well, because the boss said, that's my appointment day. That's the rehearsal meeting day. Y'all come. So called out public meeting. Um, rehearsal is part of the meeting there. Uh, what are we rehearsing? Anybody tell me what we're rehearsing? I'm sorry? How to play nice. How to be safe from Satan. How to, how to be excited about the coming world tomorrow. You know, how much can you put up? And I, I just want you all, uh, okay, we're done with that. So that's another hour finished. So we only got an hour to go. So we're in good shape. Okay. Um, how many of you have seen the scripture where God says, uh, watch and pray always that you be accounted worthy to escape all these things and stand before the Son of Man? Anybody seen that scripture in the Bible? You know it's in there, right? Now, how many of you think that is a commanded prayer? He said, what Jesus said, Jesus speaking, watch. So to me, that's the commandment. Watch and pray always that you be accounted worthy to what? To escape all these things. That means I don't have to go through tribulation, maybe. Right? He commanded that prayer. Now, why would he command that prayer? If he's saying, you all have to go through the tribulation. It's something worth thinking about. Right? Uh, there are other scriptures you can tie into it when you go a little deeper. But he's saying, this is what I command you to be praying. And, and I wasn't. A couple of years ago, I wasn't praying that prayer at all. Just not. And I saw her and I thought, you know, he's commanding me to pray that prayer. I'm going to start praying that prayer. So, so now I've got it in my things to remind myself to pray about and every time I pray about it, I think, you know, I'd want to be accounted worthy. I'm going to play nice. <laughs> you know, he wants me to love the neighbors and he lo love my enemies. And I'm going to make a big effort to do that. Okay. So <clears throat> Jesus wants us to keep ourselves safe from the danger ahead. And part of the danger ahead, Matthew 11:28, is <clears throat> he says, uh, come, you know, Okay, this is how much Jesus loves us. He says, come unto me, all you labor and heavy, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is, this is Jesus talking to you person by person by person. If you got a, having a rough, tough time, a lot of you are, I know, right? He says, come unto me. And part of coming unto Jesus is coming to the Feast of Tabernacles because that's an appointment with Jesus and the Father. 11.29, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So learning and remembering are part of the Feast of Tabernacles. I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. And hopefully you will find some rest at the feast, although that's one of the tough things to do, right? Okay. And Peter 5, 6, he says, we already saw a little bit of this earlier. He says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And that's what you're doing, coming to the Feast of Tabernacles, so that he can exalt you in due time. You're going to go from you sitting here on these chairs to God beings in not too many more years out into the future. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. God cares for you. It took me forever. My father, I didn't know my father, but it took me a lot, many, many, many years, much of my life, searching for a father figure to be my father. And it finally dawned on me through scripture that my father who says to call him my father and you to call him my father and to pray our father, not my father, our father. He's saying, I want to be your dad. And the closer you can hook on to that and tune into that and live your life on a daily basis as I'm going to go talk to dad. What, what do you mean? Oh, I'm going to go pray. Oh, I'm going to pray. No, talk to dad, that's prayer. Prayers talk to dad, right? He says in verse 8, Peter 1, Peter 5, 8, be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he devoured. He already devoured festival people. Our numbers this year are down because a lot of festival-keeping people got told by their leader, you don't have to keep Sabbath anymore and you don't have to keep festival anymore. 
And Jesus said, hey, you're teaching the commandments of men and, and rejecting the commandments of God. Now, so what was different about those folk than us? Well, at the time, we didn't think there was anything different, did we? You know, they, there they were, there they were, left and right, you know. We were all there having, we were all being nice. We were all rejoicing, right? And then the leader got up and said, hey, you don't have to do that. And I hope if, you know, if me or anybody else gets up there and says, you don't have to do what God said you have to do, then you start throwing those tomatoes or, you know, whatever you can lay your hands on, start throwing them, you know, because you don't want to have to listen to that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, sadly, you know, they forgot God's ways. They listened to their leaders. And, and God favors those who keep covenant. You can see that in your notes there in Psalm 103 and uh, verse 17. It, it says, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. Okay, you want God's mercy? Sure you do. On those who, okay, uh-oh, uh-oh, not on everybody, not on everybody who gave their heart to Jesus, but on those who fear him. Okay, if you fear the Lord, then you obey the Lord. You observe to do what the Lord has said. And it comes down to be nice, play nice. Right, verse 18, to such as keep his covenant. God is a covenant-keeping person. You, those of you who are married, you joined the covenant. You said, I will be your spouse, and I will covenant until death, to be faithful to you until death. We made covenant. Nowadays, we got this, our know, marriage is just about ripped to shreds and thrown out the window, and so people are losing this, this basic human thing of you are faithful to your physical spouse, and that's a picture of you being faithful to God. And some people weren't and haven't, and they shouldn't expect that God is going to bless them if they stop being faithful to God. It just doesn't make any sense. They don't want to think about that. Um, anyhow, the, some of the bitterness, you know, remember John, John was told, you have, have this bitter message to give. It's going to be bitter in your tummy. Well, you know, there's rejoicing to be done, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of that because you've got all the good stuff here to do that, right? But there's bitterness ahead, folks. We're already in bitterness. There are people suffering on this planet that shouldn't be suffering the way they are, right? And, and it just gets darker and darker as the days go on. Matthew 24, 8, he says, all these are beginning of sorrows, verse 9, 24, Matthew 24, verse 9. He says, they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Now, I want you to watch this next one really closely, verse 10. He says, okay, verse 9 says, you'll be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then verse 10, he says, and then, because you are hated of all nations for my name's sake, and then, because you're hated, right, many, not just a few, but many will be offended. Have you considered that if you start being hated by all nations, you yourself are hated by all nations because you agree with the two witnesses, right? Will you be offended? How many of you like being hated? Isn't that fun? Were you hated at school? Some of you like it. Yeah, good. Right. Okay. See? She, she's just experienced and toughed it out, and she knows how to deal with being hated, right? But it's coming. It's coming on those who will be faithful to God's covenant, right? And so what he's saying is church members, many will be hated for Christ's name's sake, for the truth of God's way. And then many of those people who are being hated will be offended. Ah, is this, this really part of the plan or is just Ian reading this wrong, right? And what's the rest of it? And we'll hate one another. Now, if you end up hating church brethren, how well are you doing at playing nice? What if you got a good justification for it? Well, he did it to me. You know, whatever, whatever. Did Jesus hate people at any point in time? He just said, Father, forgive them. We're going on in time. We're going on to a new historical high. You know, we're going to get past this. We're going to go on, right? So this, you know, this scripture is worth you praying over because you could have, and, and, and in Luke it says, you know, parents will betray children to death and children will betray, betray parents to death. Now, don't forget that other verse where Jesus said, watch and pray always that you be accounted worthy to escape all these things. It's possible. Don't ask me, ask the Father. You know, Father, Father, Jesus, which side of this coin am I going to be on? Well, if you don't need to be on the other side of the coin, you're going to be able to escape all these things. What am I saying? You're going to the place of safety? No. 
I'm not saying that. I'm just saying read those scriptures and meditate on those scriptures and ask the Father where you fit because that's what they want. They want you to be safe. This is a safety meeting here at the Feast of Tabernacles. They want you to be safe from what's going to happen in the days ahead. But he who endures to the end will be saved. So, oh, I missed verse 12. Because of lawlessness. Anybody seen any lawlessness in God's church? One person. Me. Oh, one and two people, right? Yeah. There's been lawlessness in God's church. Is there likely to be more? Yeah. If they are hated by all nations and they are offended and then they begin betraying church brethren, there's going to be lawlessness in God's church. He who endures to the end shall be saved. Yay! Right? So hang in there, tough it out. I believe that the Feast of Tabernacles is the greatest way to prepare God's people to never fail. Right? Okay. We're done with the first two hours. We're just going to zip up and we'll finish up with the last hour. And I'm going to have David Hope come up here and assist me in presenting the last hour of this sermon. That you should please yourself. How many? Oh, come on, be honest. How many of you think you should please yourself? When you have a bubble bath, ladies, with candles, are you pleasing yourself or God, right? Is God in there going, mm, I love the candles and the fragrance, you know? You're pleasing you. Okay. Now, over here, we've got please God. That's Feast of Tabernacles talk, right? Now, how many of you think God wants you at the end of eight days to get in your car and pack up and drive home to have 50% of the time of the eight days been pleasing yourself and 50% of the time been pleasing God. How many of you think that? Ah, Fred does. Okay. Is that your hand up there, Fred? Fred thinks 50-50 is a good plan. Okay. All right, let's read another scripture because I'm going to have to talk to Fred later. So, um, okay, 2 Peter 1.5 says, giving all diligence. What does that sound like? A safety meeting. Take precautions. Watch out. Satan's out there ready to devour you. Add to your faith virtue. Virtue, knowledge. Knowledge, self-control. Dirty word there. What do you mean self-control? I want to do what I want to do. You know, I would like to please the self. You know, I want a heavy-duty load of pleasing the self, right? Okay, but that's not playing us, right? <laughs> and he says, add to godliness, brotherly kindness. We heard a little bit about that earlier this morning. Add to brotherly kindness, love. The greatest of all is love, right? Verse 8 of 2 Peter 1, it says, If these things are yours and abound, we did hear this one, and you, will need, you won't be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of God. Can people be barren and fruitful in the knowledge of God, even after having been in God's church for many years? Yes, they can. We've seen it with our own eyes. Jesus told us with his own, uh, with his own uh, voice or when he wrote that. So, Tabernacles, eight days is soaking up God's love and His ways and charging your batteries to the full, you, you won't have another eight days in the next 365 days that are as powerful for battery charging your spiritual batteries than you're going to have here at the, at the eight days of the feast. So God has given you a lot of lovely people, a lot of lovely songs to sing, a lot of lovely music, music to listen to, and, and it's up to us to determine whether God is going to rejoice over us for good or for evil, right? So he wants us built strong. He loves us. He cares for us. And Paul says, um, <clears throat> I must have missed a verse somewhere. But anyhow, remember how God says, love, love God with all your heart and soul and mind of being. I, I don't think God is happy with the 50-50 deal. I just I don't think that's going to work too good at all. And I'm just going to go over there for a while. <clears throat> All right, this, this is what I think God wants. This is God's expectations for us here at the feast. He wants us, now I can't see it myself, he wants us to have loads and abound in love and joy and peace, and of course long-suffering, that's where I'm coming, right? And, and knowledge, learning, remembering, learning about God's ways, self-control, <clears throat> dirty word, right? Kindness, all those other things that you're going to hear in the messages coming up, right? But notice the balance being. Now, it doesn't do away with pleasing the self. You know, I am going to please myself. I'm going to have a bath sometime this Feast of Tabernacles. And that'll please a lot of you, too. Yeah? Right? But I'm looking forward to that. It may not be a bubble bath, but it'll be a nice soaking bath. Right? So God is saying, are you going to come out of the eight days of the Feast of Tabernacles heavily balanced 
in being nice, in loving, in serving, in cooperating, in giving others um, of yourself. Okay, if you'll see in your notes there, uh, the last verses I've got for you are 1 Corinthians 16, 13. And Paul sums up everything I just spent three hours telling you, right, <laughs> in saying, watch, because you're now looking at prophecy unfolding. I don't know if, how many of you are seeing that, but it is unfolding as we speak. Watch, stand fast in the faith. Don't let it go. You've come this far. Do not let it go. Be brave. Well, that's easy for you to say. Well, you know, Paul got killed several times and left for dead, right? Thrown in prison, had the most miserable of experiences. And if he can say, be brave, he, he experienced it. And he's saying, whatever happens to each one of us, be brave, be strong. Verse 14, let all that you do be done with, and we come back to the love word, because God is love. That's the best way to describe your heavenly father. He's love. He wants you to love, which equates to be nice. So I'm going to leave you with those two verses plus a little bit more. One more little thought to go with that, right? And that is, let all that you do be done with love and rejoice in God Almighty with very great 